Welcome to The Point Podcast. At The Point, we point high school students to Jesus because we believe that Jesus is better than anything else that this world has to offer. We hope that this podcast is an encouragement to you in your walk with Christ, but that it does not replace the time you're already spending with the Lord. Thanks so much for listening, and here's our awesome high school youth pastor, my husband, Justin Kinley. So honestly, as a youth pastor, I hear a lot of the times that people tell me that the Bible is very hard for them to read. And, you know, I got to be honest, there's a part of me that's sympathetic with that. I I get that, um, I guess. And the reason I get that is because I look back on my high school days and and my middle school days, and there were definitely times that I said that as well, that the Bible wasn't easy to read, but it was kind of hard. But the the more that I read it, and and I think the more that I understand it, um, I, I think sometimes that's a bad excuse for us. And for me, and I won't say this for everyone listening, but for me, that was often a lazy excuse in my life. It was an excuse because I didn't put the time and effort into studying God's word that I should have. I just kind of took it kind of for a grain of salt and just kind of did it casually. And then I didn't do it and I didn't do it very seriously. And I didn't devote myself to it. And the more that I study the Bible, the more that I realized that, man, if we just slow down and honestly take a lot of, um, I guess, tools or tips we have for reading other things, a lot of that translates to the Bible as well. And so, for, for example, I think Matthew chapter 21, the beginning of it, shows us a good example of that. I think it shows us a good example because if you think about the way Matthew has done his gospel, we, we know that there's 28 chapters to Matthew's gospel, okay? The first 20 chapters of that are the first three years of Jesus' life. Even a little bit before that, right, with Jesus's birth a little bit and the genealogy of Jesus. And so, but but really, I guess if you want to sum it up, the first 20 chapters are the first three years of Jesus's life. Then through chapters 21 through 28, you have the last week of Jesus's life. So in chapters 1 through 20, it's three years. And then chapters 21 through 28, it's the last week. And now it does not take a rocket scientist. It does not take a Bible scholar expert to see that and and understand and come away with the fact to understand that man Matthew is really trying to get us to focus on this last week of Jesus's life. This last week of Jesus's life is a big deal. In fact, this is why Jesus came. This is his death and resurrection, right? So immediately as we get here and we understand that we are moving to the last week of Jesus's life, just because of the sheer amount of time that Matthew puts there, it almost makes us hone our focus in even more to see what Matthew is saying. And so I love what's happening in chapter 21 verses 1 through 13 because Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey, right? And I love verse 4. It says, um, it says verse four, it says, this took place. So it took place that Jesus would come into Jerusalem on a donkey so that the prophet might be fulfilled. And he quotes the Old Testament. So why is this a big deal? Well, think about this is the beginning of the passion week of Jesus. This is the beginning of the last week of Jesus's life where he is going to die, be buried and rise again. The very thing that he came to do. And so remember the whole time in Matthew's gospel, He's been telling us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, that Jesus is everything that the Old Testament has been pointing towards. So it would make sense that before you get to the last week of Jesus' life, Matthew yet again records an Old Testament prophecy to show that this is exactly what's about to happen, that that Jesus is doing this. He's doing the death, burial, and resurrection. He's going to die to fulfill everything that the Old Testament was pointing us towards, right? And so Jesus comes into praise. He comes into rejoicing. 
you see in verse 9 that they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And let's be honest, this is praise fitting for a king, right? I mean, I mean, this is the response that makes sense. But I'll tell you what, man, Jesus cracks me up, right? Because you would think that, or at least maybe not, we wouldn't think this about Jesus, but I know I would. If I came into shouts of Hosanna and I came into people praising my name, I, I would soak up that praise for a while. Right, I would sign some autographs. I'd take some pictures. I'd sign some babies. Right, I mean, I would do all kinds of things like that. But that's not what Jesus does. J- Jesus comes into this praise, to this uproar, to this amazing thing, and the first place he goes is to the temple. And look at what it says in verse twelve. It says Jesus went to the temple, and he threw out all those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. It's it's funny to me how Jesus isn't just consumed about their worship and he's not interested in their praise necessarily, but he's he's going straight to their lifestyle. He's going straight to the way that they're abusing this religious system that's been set up. And man, he is so ticked off that they're taking the temple. They're taking the temple that's supposed to be this house of worship, that's supposed to be this place that's honoring God, and they're turning it into something that it ought not to be. They're turning it into a marketplace to make money. So it's amazing that Jesus doesn't just get amused by their praise, but he immediately begins to go challenge them in a major way in how they're conducting themselves spiritually. And you know, I have to wonder if we need to consider the same thing in our life. I mean, is Jesus really that amused by my praise? Is he that amused by my worship of him if my life is painting a completely different picture? So I have to think Jesus might not be that concerned with our hands being raised in worship if we go to school the next day and we are just constantly belittling and talking trash about other people right? If, if my hands are lifted in worship, then my hands also need to be stretched out in service towards people around me. And I, I just think it's funny here that Jesus, and interesting that Jesus is not just consumed with and soaks up their praise and he just enjoys it, but he immediately addresses their heart and he immediately goes to the temple and says, man, there, there's some issues thing and things going on here that we need to deal with. And so I think we need to evaluate that in our own life as well. Am I, am I praising Jesus and then living in a different way? Or is my life matching up the praise and the welcome that I'm giving him in my heart. And so I think that's just a good thought for us to have today. Thanks so much for listening. The Point is a ministry of First Baptist Church Indian Trail for high school students. We offer life groups every Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. And we meet on Wednesday nights at 6.15. For more information, you can go to our church's website at fbcit.org.